fireworks in the United States Congress over the Pledge of Allegiance. I'll explain why this is really stupid on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Look, if you want to support the show financially, you can go to McClanahanAcademy.com. McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. And then, of course, you can purchase classes there. Now, we're ta- um, you're getting this in February of 2023. There is going to be a new class coming out in February of 2023. So if you want to get a great deal on that class when it comes out and you're going to want the class then you want to be on my email list. And you do that at brianmcclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. And then, of course, you're going to know about the coupons. You're going to know when the class comes out. I also send that information to McClanahan Academy subscribers too, but the Brian McClanahan email address is the best way to do it. It is the way that I communicate with you. So get the free ebook. Get the free class, and that way you can support the show. And, of course, if you purchase classes at McClanahan Academy, you keep this podcast free of charge. So it's a win-win. You get great content, you get great free content, and you get great content that you purchase as well. All right. Wrapping up the week with a uh, an article that came out a couple of weeks ago, and somebody sent it to me. This is a listener-generated episode again. And this is really a Think Locally, Act Locally episode because I'm going to tear down the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, how many times do we go to everything? I mean, we go to anything and you've got to say the Pledge of Allegiance. It could be, you know, your kid's bake sale and you got to say the Pledge of Allegiance beforehand. And where does this all come from? The National Anthem, the Pledge of Allegiance. Where do we get all of this nationalist nonsense? Because that's really what it is. At the end of the day, what we have with the pledge and the national anthem, and you watch any sporting event, you've got to you know have the national anthem beforehand. Uh, you go to any kind of civic meeting, you got to have the pledge of allegiance. Where does all this come from? Well, essentially, World War II is where we get the drive to make these things mandatory. Right? We get we didn't have a national anthem before uh, the 20th century. We didn't have the pledge of allegiance required before. World War II, essentially. In fact, you know, there's video out, I should say, um, you know, not video, but um, articles out there, <laughs> thinking of video. There's articles out there about the, the national anthem being played before a ball game in the early 20th century. Nobody really even cared. They're just going, yeah, okay, this is great. There wasn't really an, what's now the national anthem. It wasn't the national anthem then. So people didn't have this kind of militaristic reverence for a song and, you know, worshiping a flag. This is something that's really out of the 20th century, late 19th, early 20th century, even during the war, right, in the 1860s, you didn't have this kind of stuff. The founding generation wouldn't have done these kind of things. They didn't. They didn't have a pledge. They didn't worship the flag. They pledged fealty and loyalty to the Constitution, uh, that was their oath to the Constitution. You look at the oath of office for the president. You look at any oaths that people took, even military officials, even officers in the military. They took an oath to the Constitution. This idea of taking an oath to a government is a relatively recent development in American history. And 
you know, everyone is uh, rightly upset over Germans, for example, taking an oath to Adolf Hitler in the uh, 1930s. Uh, but what are you doing in the United States when you take an oath to the government? Hitler was the government. So you're taking an oath to the government, theoretically, when you pledge allegiance or you sing the national anthem. It's, it's the idea of, you know, my country, uh, right or wrong, but, you know, always my country. Um, and the United States and the government itself makes a lot of mistakes. And should Americans pledge loyalty to a government that makes mistakes all the time? or that does things that are alien to the founding principles. I mean, should pe people pledge loyalty to that? So we have this term loyalty and treason thrown around quite a bit. And this, of course, goes back to how uh, January 6, 2021 is often perceived. We, we already saw it when we talked about the State of the Union address. Biden had to throw in a shot at uh, you know the insurrectionists of January 6th. Of course, you know, anytime Democrats storm a, storm a state capitol in protest, that's all democracy. But if the Republicans do it, that's something else. Um, but the fact is, we have these terms loyalty and treason thrown around. In fact, I was somebody else sent me a, a clip from uh, Larry Schweikert. And uh, he's a conservative, quote-unquote, historian. He was Patriot's Guide to United States History. And Schweikert made the statement that if what the Lincoln administration should have done during the war is arrested every Confederate for treason, confiscated all of their property, and then, of course, uh, redistributed among the slaves. And then at the end of the war, you could have pardoned all these people, but they would have lost all their property. Now, uh, he says, he admits that this would have been highly illegal if, if the Confederacy is still in the Union, which, of course... They were, and then you have to look at a very expansive definition of treason. I mean, all these things come into the, the, come into play. Of course, it, in Lincoln's mind, they were. I would say they weren't. So you can't confiscate property from you know. You're getting into this you know very gray area. Can you confiscate property? People that aren't in the union are in the union. If they're not in the union, can you do it? If they are in the union, can you do it? All the legal stuff that was going on during the war. But this shows you how uh, these people are really psychopaths. Um, and this idea of treason and loyalty and what all that means. And somehow, in all this process, the pledge and the national anthem have been seen as a sign of loyalty. And if you don't do it, well, then you're some leftist kook. When in reality, if you don't do it, you're a real patriotic American. Because if people really understood where these things came from... Now, the national anthem is something else. But the Pledge of Allegiance in particular is what I want to focus on on this particular podcast. But... The National Anthem, written by Francis Scott Key, who was a great American. Now, having uh, having said that, the pledge was written by a man named Francis Bellamy. If you, I mean, maybe you didn't know that. And I know a lot of my listeners are pretty astute and they have a, a good grasp of American history. But maybe you never heard this before. But Francis Bellamy was a socialist minister from New England. He had a relative, Edward Bellamy, that wrote a popular book. I mean, when I say popular, this book was really popular in, in uh, the 19th century uh, titled uh, Looking Backward. And um, it was uh, utopian, uh, a utopian, socialist utopian dream, uh, the, the idea of the book. A man falls asleep in 1888 uh, and he wakes up um, in the future and, of course, the future is great. Uh, you've got all these socialist things, um, and it's a wonderful place. 
there's no currency, for example. There's there, every, doctors and waiters all get paid the same amount of money. Everyone uh, is living in a in you know, the high life. Of course, it's all garbage. 2000 to 1888, wakes up in 2000. It's all garbage. But you see, that's what. But it this spawned what they called nationalist clubs. He Bellamy didn't call it uh, socialism. He called it nationalism. He called it nationalism. This is the key. He called it nationalism. See, nationalism now really is a code word for centralization of power and centralization of power to achieve a one-size-fits-all government for the ruling party, whoever that may be. And democracy and nationalism work hand-in-hand because, of course, the left understands that they have the numbers and the demographics ultimately on their side. So they can just keep pushing democracy, and we're going to have democracy, and majority wins. Majority 50% plus one voter. It doesn't matter. Majority wins. They have it on their side, theoretically. And so therefore, it's just a matter of time before democracy and nationalism really take over, and they can do just about anything they want. That's the goal. They don't want federalism because federalism is a block to their socialist Edward Bellamy-type dream. Now, Francis Bellamy was a socialist minister, and he wanted to come up with a way to ensure that people believed the Lincolnian myth of America, that we had one nation, indivisible. If you think about the pledge and what's in it, indivisible. Now, I've talked about this on this podcast before, so if you, if you go back in the old episodes, I've done a podcast on the pledge, but one nation, indivisible. That indivisible part is very important because what that essentially says is we don't have a federal republic. We have a one nation, one nation, and you have to understand what is the definition of a nation. It would be a singular people, a common people. We know the United States, the left even admits the United States is not that. We don't have a singular people. We have, they, they talk about diversity and all these different diversity things. We've got these people and these people and these people. But they're looking at it in the aggregate, whereas the founding generation looked at it at the state level. You had states of people. You had people of the states. And the states all had political cultures and uh, different things that they did. And they all recognized that. And they all thought that federalism would handle these kind of differences. So that's really where all of this stuff comes in. And the pledge was a way to erode that belief. Because Bellamy wanted the pledge to be said by little school kids. Little minds of mush. You get them to say the pledge every day uh, before the flag, and then, of course, that creates little minds of mush. And now, of course, people have taken this in all kinds of strange directions. You have uh, the very woke crowd uh, making kids pledge to you know, the rainbow flag and other things. I mean, this stuff has gotten really out of hand. So in that case, you're pledging to something else. I don't even know what it is. You've got all this weird stuff going on with the pledge. Well, the, the, of course, the ultimate goal then should be to get rid of the pledge. But conservatives won't do that because somehow, and you see this all the time, somehow they believe that saying the pledge shows your patriotism, shows your dedication to America, when it should be the exact opposite of that. Uh, You should be pledging loyalty to the Constitution. You take an oath of office. You should pledge loyalty to the Constitution, upholding and defending the Constitution of the United States, and, you know, we're going through this theater right now in the Congress, as I'm recording this, or they had you know, the day before, where uh, they read the Constitution. And uh, the only thing they should read in the Constitution is the Tenth Amendment. 
because that was the idea. The, the, the Tenth Amendment was designed to prevent misconstruction, to prevent abuse of power and misconstruction. That's the entire goal of the Tenth Amendment. And again, as states sent out their lists to, uh, to James Madison, uh, to the Congress for a Bill of Rights, what became the Tenth Amendment was typically at the top of the list. Not in every case, but typically at the top of the list because that was the way that they thought they would ensure the general government did not abuse its powers. It's a general government for general purposes, not education, crime, uh, all these things. And so you know, when you have complete lack of loyalty to that, that's where the real problem is in Washington, D.C. And it's not saying that every Congress member of Congress has this, right? I mean, we know that there are people up there who say they have loyalty to it, but then they do things that are kind of against that at times. But regardless, that should be what people are pledging to, not the Pledge of Allegiance. But in a committee meeting a couple of weeks ago, there was fireworks as Republicans proposed, Republicans proposed to mandate that every member of the committee should say the pledge before the committee meeting. And this created a firestorm of protests from Democrats. Democrats also uh, then offered their own rider to this, that if you had participated or so showed support for the January 6th insurrection, uh, you, you would not be allowed to sit on the committee. So, I mean, there's all these things going on. So let's, let's get into this, because uh, this is actually pretty funny. Um, so uh, should be banned, I should, I should say, for, from leading the Pledge of Allegiance. Right, so if you if you were supporting the insurrection, then you can't say the pledge. Now think about that. The insurrection supposedly was an attack on democracy. The whole point of the pledge was uh, to, in, in some ways, I mean, the Democrats aren't incorrect here, but there's no insurrection. But the the Republicans shouldn't be requiring this anyways. They should have said, yeah. We shouldn't be saying the pledge. You know what these people should be doing is reading the 10th Amendment. We should all pledge the 10th Amendment. And then if we do that, then we're actually doing something right. So this is from uh, February 1st. I guess this thing happened the day before, January 31st. A routine House committee meeting erupted into a heated, nearly hour-long debate Wednesday over the Pledge of Allegiance with one Democratic lawmaker saying that insurrectionists who back former President Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election should be banned from leading it. Now, again, this is, this is from Yahoo. So just look at the language there. First of all, saying this was an insurrection or that they were trying to overturn the 2020 election. They were asking questions about the legitimacy of the election. And there's nothing wrong with that. Democrats have done that for years. They did it in 2016. They did it in 2000. They've done it many times. They've asked the question, is this a legitimate election? You know, Not my president, illegitimate president. They called Donald Trump illegitimate for four years. They called George W. Bush illegitimate for eight years, essentially. They didn't think he should have ever gotten the election to begin with. They've done this over and over again. They've done it at the state level. They've done it at the federal level. So this is the Democrats really projecting their own insecurities about uh, elections and what they think about elections and a legitimacy on the other side. But regardless, it shows you where uh, you know politics even filter in to the news, right? This is Rebecca Shabad uh, who wrote this. The fiery back and forth took place in a House Judiciary Committee meeting where members set rules for the current Congress. 
It began after Representative Matt Gates of Florida offered an amendment that would give the committee the opportunity to begin each of its meetings with the Pledge of Allegiance. He said the rule would give members the ability to invite inspirational constituents to be able to share and lead in the pledge. Now, Gates is an, is an interesting figure. There's a lot of things he does that are pretty immature. Um, I was laughing every time. When he, when he nominated Donald Trump for Speaker of the House, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in, happen in the House of Representatives historically uh, because Donald Trump ended up getting more votes for Speaker of the House than John Quincy Adams, which is absolutely hilarious, um, though both are nationalists. Anyways, Gates is, is a proponent of stunts, and perhaps this was somewhat of a stunt, uh, but he didn't say that the members of Congress would uh, necessarily recite the pledge, but they would bring in constituents to lead the pledge. Now, this shows you where the Republican mindset is, though. These are inspirational things, inspirational uh, citizens, constituents, to lead the Pledge of Allegiance, um, where they're essentially saying the pledge is this patriotic, almost uh, divine document. Again, not understanding where it comes from. If Republicans, who are supposedly anti-socialists, understood where the pledge came from, they would be running away from this thing as fast as possible. They wouldn't want it in the House. They wouldn't want it in the United States. They would get rid of it. Because what it's done is actually created the climate that leads to the Democrats. That's what Francis Bellamy wanted. He wanted a progressive America, which is the Democrats. He wanted America where you had socialism, which is, at least theoretically, the Democrats, even though Republicans do it too. But that's what he wanted. He wanted a socialist, nationalist United States. And the pledge was a way to do it. So the, the fact that Republicans even advocate for this thing is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We should be talking about the Tenth Amendment. We should be talking about the U.S. Constitution. Look, I'm fine with that. Reading the Constitution, that's great. Uh, let's read the Constitution. Let's do these things. You take a you take a an oath to the Constitution, so let's then abide by that oath. Let's do these things. Of course, but that's not good enough for the theater. It's just like, uh, you know, during the Say the Union, Marjorie Taylor Greene's walking around with a white balloon. I mean, all this theater is really absurd. Um, it's, it's absurd. But here we have another move for theater. And, of course, the Democrats bristle at this because they think that they're going to be put on the spot and they're going to be shown as not patriotic because they don't support the Pledge of Allegiance. So then what happens is interesting. Representative Jerry Nadler of New York, the committee's ranking member, immediate, member immediately objected arguing the House members already recite the pledge on the floor every day. Well, why do they do that? If the Republicans really want to be loyal to the Constitution, they would scrap that stupid thing. They would say, we're not saying the pledge on the House floor every day. We're not doing that. But of course, they know the optics there. This all goes back to the, to the 1980s and 90s and then early 2000s. It's optics. During the Vietnam War... Uh, the left abandoned the U.S. flag. They um, they got rid of it. They didn't they didn't have it around as much. They kind of they, they kind of abandoned this type of nationalism. There was a push on the left to do it. And then you get Reagan, and Reagan re-embraced it. I mean, it's you know Lee Greenwood, you know, proud to be an American, all this kind of stuff. And I remember all this. You know, nineteen eighties. And winning the Cold War and the flag, you know, uh, think about Rocky IV, which, in my opinion, is one of the worst Rocky movies. It's too campy. Uh, the other movies, I mean, it's just, just, 
it's all red meat for campy fun. But I mean, it's just one of the worst movies acting wise. The story is just kind of, I mean, it's Cold War, so everyone loves it, but it just really wasn't that good. But you have Rocky wearing the you know, Stars and Stripes trunks, just like Apollo Creed. And uh, you have the, so you have the, the wrapping himself in the flag. This was a reaction to what was called the Vietnam syndrome, you know, and this, this idea the United States was wrong. And, uh, you know, you get all the, all the fake things being said uh, about um, Vietnam soldiers and the left really pushing that agenda. So there was a 180 reaction. Uh, the other way. And then, of course, you get uh, George H.W. Bush and the Iraq War. And I remember when that happened. I mean, everyone's walking around waving big American flags and they're putting the, Amer the, the U.S. flag on their lapel, right? They're doing all this kind of stuff. Um, and George W. Bush, the same thing. Think about Donald Trump hugging the U.S. flag. They're trying to show the other side is not patriotic. So if the, if the Republicans scrap the pledge, the immediate response, it would be a political response, you aren't patriotic. You don't believe in the United States. You don't believe in the U.S. flag. You don't believe in democracy. You don't believe in the U.S. government. You don't believe in the, con whatever it would be. So see, they're, they're in a very difficult situation because they created this stupidity with all this rah-rah nationalism that shouldn't really ever have been there. Um, and the way that it's defined by the Pledge, or the National Anthem. So Nadler, I mean, look, I actually agree with Jerry Nadler here. Why do we want to say it again? We already say it once. Now, to conservatives, oh, Jerry Nadler is not a real American. He already says it once. Why won't you say it again? It's kind of like in World War I. Why don't you kiss the flag? Why don't you buy more war bonds? You're not American enough. So Nadler, who I disagree with 99% of the time, is actually correct here. We already say it once. Why do we do it again? He says, I don't know why we should pledge allegiance twice in the same day to show how patriotic we are. It's, he's entirely correct about that. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a correct statement. I don't know why we have to do it. We shouldn't even have to do it once. But here we're doing it again. So this is Gates again showing theater, and Nadler is actually being pretty honest about this. Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia noted that many Republicans on the committee voted against certifying the 2020 presidential election on January 6, 2021. Representative David Siciline uh, of Rhode Island then said he was introducing an amendment to Gates' amendment that clarified that the pledge cannot be led by anyone who has supported an insurrection against the United States in any way. So, um, I, I don't know who that would be. Were congressmen voting against certifying an election because they had questions participating in, in an insurrection? I mean, I guess if you want to follow the Lincolnian logic, this would mean that, you know, former Confederates couldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance, but they're all dead. And of course, I would disagree with that. They would be insurrectionists. Um, but regardless, they were pursuing independence. And in this case, you've got Republicans asking questions about an election. Was it, was it fair? Was it free? Was it rigged? You know, was there something going on here? Were there, in, were there uh, in, you know, problems with it? Um. I've said from the beginning, you go back and you look at the podcast I did in 2021, right around that time, I, would, I said I, I didn't think anything was going to happen. Even if they challenged it legally, they weren't going to get anything out of this because of history. I mean, it was clear that irregularities were not going to lead to overturning 
voting results because this is never going to happen. I mean, 1960 was probably worse than 2020. I mean, you could argue that case. And uh, nothing happened. Nixon sent in teams of lawyers to try to figure this out. You had dead people literally voting. Uh, you know, names being used for dead people in Chicago, and they couldn't even overturn that. So how are they going to get this thing done in court? It just wasn't going to happen. It was futile at that point. But regardless, asking questions is not an insurrection. Saying that we're not going to vote to certify this yet because we don't have all the answers is not an insurrection. Democrats uh, said rhetorically did a lot of the same things when Trump was elected in 2016. Now, Cicilline then made this statement. The pledge is an affirmation of your defense of democracy in the Constitution. No, it's not. The pledge is not that at all. The pledge is an affirmation of Lincolnian nonsense, not of the Constitution, but of a national government that was not created in 1787 or 1788 when the Constitution is finally uh, you know, sent to the states, or 1789 when it's fully implemented, 1788 when it's ratified. The Constitution is not that. It's not uh, a democracy. And the Pledge of Allegiance is not that either. So this shows you how stupid both Gates, a Republican, and Ciceline, a Democrat, one from Florida, one from Rhode Island, are on this particular matter. Cicilline said, it's hard to take that claim seriously if, in fact, an individual in any way supported an insurrection against the government. Gates began sparring with Cicilline, saying that he was concerned the Democrats' proposal would make many Democrats on the panel ineligible to lead the pledge, too, because of previous elections when some in their party objected to electors. Well, this is true. I mean, Gates is correct about this. Gates, I'm concerned that you may be disqualifying too many of your own members, as the two of them yelled over each other. Now, Gates is giving it back, and of course, he's correct about this. The real issue is saying the pledge. Jerry Nadler was actually right about this. Why are we saying the pledge twice? We don't need to say it twice. We don't need to say it here. We don't need to say it in the House of Representatives. We shouldn't be saying it at all, really. Uh, you know, We don't need to say it twice. Uh, and, I mean, Nadler, you had, you had two you know, immature people really fighting over something that I mean, Cicilline was incorrect about how he stated what the pledge does. Gates was incorrect for even offering to do it here. It's all theater. So then uh, Cicilline fires back. I'm talking about elected officials who swear an oath to the Constitution of the United States who in any way participated, supported, facilitated, encouraged the insurrection against the United States. That's not too hard a standard. Um... Again, what insurrection? Participated, supported, facilitated, encouraged? What insurrection? There's no insurrection. You're, you're not voting to certify an election which you think has uh, problems with it. Again, irregularities, inconsistencies, whatever it is. You want to just ensure when there is a question about the integrity of the election, you want to ensure that we get it right. Why would anybody be against this? We know the Democrats would be against that because... They just want to win, right? Their guy won. And I'm going to tell you, if the situation was reversed, the Republicans would be in the same position as the Democrats. All of this is just, I mean, the Republicans, we're going to stand up for the Constitution. They wouldn't have done it. If the situation was reversed, they would have wanted their guy to get in. If Trump had won, they would Trump get, in, get Trump in as fast as possible. It's like in football when we know that the catch wasn't really made, uh, get up to the line as fast as possible and hike the ball because, you know, snap the ball because you know that they don't have time to review it. 
this is what happens in American politics now. Football is the American political game. Football is the American game, and it's all about time. Get your team up to the line as fast as possible. Do as much as you can as fast as possible. Don't let anybody review what you're doing. Don't let anybody look at what you're doing so that you can just move down the field and bulldoze the opponent. Whereas the real game in America should be baseball. But regardless... Other members joined the debate, with many Republicans defending Gates' amendment and criticizing Cicilline's effort. I know it's a real backbreaker, Representative Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey sarcastically joked about how long it takes to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. We can go that little extra mile, stand up, put our hand on our chest, say what we believe, and reaffirm this America that we love. Come on, this can't be real. I can't believe we're having this debate. Again, Van Drew doesn't really understand what the pledge is. He should be saying, yeah, I agree with Jerry Nadler. We don't have to do this. This is ridiculously stupid. Jerry Nadler. I I hate to say that Jerry Nadler was the voice of reason when Jerry Nadler is a moron 99.9% of the time. But here, he was the voice of reason. Freshman Representative Wesley Hunt of Texas said he recited the pledge in elementary school and argued that reciting it during committee meetings is necessary because it represents the deaths of thousands of Americans. What? It does? Because he recited it in elementary school? Who cares? There's a reason you recited it in elementary school, you dope. It's because Francis Bellamy wanted to ensure that we all believed in the Lincolnian myth of America. One nation, indivisible. Again, the founding generation would not have done this. At all. They wouldn't have set a pledge to the flag or some kind of one nation indivisible. They wouldn't have done it at all. The least we can do is pay is to pay homage, he said, to Americans who have made their, that sacrifice to the nation. When did this become that? When did saying the pledge become paying homage to Americans who have died? It was never designed to be that way. It was a political message designed to ensure that progressive socialism would be ascendant in America. That was the whole point. It's not about, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how all this has happened. How we've gotten a situation where this kind of nonsense has happened. Democrat or Republican, we are in this together. That flag is the one thing that unites us. That flag. It becomes a Lincolnian symbol. I thought it was Lincoln that united us or this belief in the Union, whatever it is. But the flag now is a Lincolnian symbol of nationalism. Look at what he says here. That's a very important statement. The flag is what unites us. Not anything else. The flag, this pledge. Well, that's what Bellamy was going for. Because then you can't dissent, essentially. Ultimately, Cicilline's amendment was defeated in a 24-13 to 13 vote in the GOP-led committee. Gates' amendment, on the other hand, passed unanimously 39 to nothing. Now, notice what happened there. Cicilline is saying, well, we're going to, he made this a political move. You can't, so even it looks like some Democrats voted against Cicilline, but all the Democrats, including, including Cicilline voted for Gates' amendment. Why? Because they're scared. Voting against the pledge shows you're not American somehow. This is ridiculous. Even Jerry Nadler voted for it. Why? Be principled. If you say we don't need to say it twice, vote against it. And then say why. This is the problem we have with American politics. There's no principles anymore. This is all theater. And that's why it's so ridiculously stupid. Uh, But 
The pledge shouldn't be said before every single event in America. Neither should the national anthem. All that shouldn't, shouldn't be done. We do this all for some kind of rah-rah nationalism that isn't even real. You want to take an oath? And look, Sicily said we take an oath to the Constitution. The pledge has nothing to do with that. In fact, it's alien to the Constitution. That's the whole point. All right, so when I said this is think locally, act locally, we have an obligation to our local and state governments, our family first and foremost, and then, then moving up from there. But uh, that's how, I mean, look, Jefferson called Virginia his country. He called, he called, he said other people, he called the states countries. He did it in 1774. That's what he called them. These were countries. States and countries, same thing. That's what he called them. That's where your real loyalty is. Uh, in America, not to some people that are alien to you, but where your political culture is most manifest. So regardless, uh, you know, get involved in local and state politics. Avoid all this nonsense in D.C. It's all just theater. These people really aren't serious. Uh, but yet they have a lot of money that they get every year, and they spend a lot of money, and that does create more problems because as they spend more, and got to have more taxes or more inflation, one or the other. So all that does trickle down to us, but you got to create these hedges in the states. That's why this was Think Locally, Act Locally. All right. See you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.